It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with certified financial planners Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host, also one of the certified financial planners on the show. With me in the KFG studio is my business partners and fellow CFPs, Josh Gregory and Kevin Corhorn. So both Apple and Tesla split their stock this summer. So why would a company do a stock split and how did investors fare in each case? We're gonna be talking about the mathematics and the psychographics of stock splits on today's episode. That's a, uh, that's a, that's a, uh, five cent word, fifty a five dollar yeah. word. That's a fi- that's a fifty cent <laughs> word for this five cent group here right. in the studio. Hey, if you have a question, we we were just commenting before we started recording how many questions we fielded this summer about these stock splits. So we'd love to hear from you. If you have a question, you can text us or call five seven four two 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 thousand. That's five seven four two 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 thousand. Online, you can submit questions there as well, wisemoneyshow.com. Submit a question right there on the right. Most questions do come through the uh, the our YouTube channel specifically, but Facebook and Twitter as well. Just search Wise Money Show. You'll find us there to submit questions there as well. All right. I tell you, if you could travel back in time, don't you love playing these games? Like It's like the if I won the lottery sort of game. And uh, and sort of that's what it would need to be. If you could travel back in time and buy Apple in the 80s, or think about it, if you could travel back in time two months and buy Tesla. (laughs) 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 Okay, so they so two of the most well-known companies on this planet did stock splits this summer, and I mean, we why 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 does a company do a stock split? Well, we, we can get into maybe different reasons, but I, I feel like it grabbed everyone's attention. And maybe the, the real why that we should be asking about is, well, why would you care, right? But the, the reason that's, that companies break down their stock into smaller pieces, essentially, is what they're doing. They're splitting it into smaller pieces is so that they can have a smaller price attached to it. Yeah. Sometimes a, a stock its price is getting up to a level where the the average Joe on the street really can't afford to plunk down a lot of money to own that stock. And so it becomes more and more elite, essentially. And uh, a, a lot of board of directors and, um, and leaders within these companies, they want to get their stock price trading in a certain range that makes it accessible to more and more people. So they want more trading volume essentially. Ah, bummer. You gave away the answer. I want I wanted to say, well, is that because is that out of the goodness of their hearts? Are they just <laughs> that nice? They say, "You know what? I, I want everyone to own a little piece of Disney." And the answer really isn't because they're nice people. Yeah. It's because you, we sort of take it for granted sometimes. Well, if I want to buy a stock or I want to sell my stock, there's a market for it. If I want to sell my stock, it's it's crazy. It's fascinating. So when I, I was studying finance at Michigan State and I start reading these textbooks about the market and all of that stuff. And then I come to intern at this place in Granger called Corhorn Financial Group. And I finally got to see it in action. 
and I submit a trade for a client, hey, sell this. And as soon as my computer screen updated, the, it was already sold. It was already sold with, a, with an average price. And that is just amazing that from a, with a click of a button, it can boom, go to the market, get a sale. And by the time my screen refreshes, it's all done. And we take that for granted. Mm-hmm. Well, if your stock price was $250,000 per share, you may not be able to sell it that quickly, <laughs> right? And sure. that impacts its value. And so these board of directors want a more palatable share price so the market, so there's a good market for their shares. And yes, makes it accessible for more people, potentially making, you know, bidding the shares up in value. I think the interesting thing that I've observed, because I'm, I'm fascinated by the culture, is there are a lot of younger people that use things like Robinhood where they can put in a couple hundred bucks. And with a couple hundred bucks, they can get trading, and now they're trading. And, you know, whoever said trading stocks was a good idea with a couple hundred bucks? Well, and just, just because just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. 40, uh, 43 or 44 percent of all Robinhood accounts apparently are on margin, uh, not margarine, um, <laughs> meaning they've invested 200, but they also are borrowing money. So they actually have more invested than that. Yeah. Increasing risk. Yeah. The, leveraging up. But I mean, it really and I've I've had some long conversations with my son Joshua about this because as he's done it it's really it's and I've I've you know just kind of told him look it's kind it's kind of gambling I mean it for for you with a couple hundred bucks it's fantasy football um it's this isn't this is not a, a sustainable way that you are going to accumulate wealth but right. for the individual who took his own life earlier this year that made national headlines because he opened his account and it showed he had a negative 700 and some thousand dollars. Things hadn't even settled yet. That wasn't even accurate. But he opened his Robinhood account, negative some seven, $700,000, and he committed suicide. That's and so it, it is. And so investing in individual stocks is not for the faint of heart. And pli- trying to play the game with stock splits is, is tricky as well. We're going to, well, let's talk about the, the philosophy of it. What is Warren Buffett? How does how does he feel the the greatest investor of our generation? How does he feel about stocks? Yeah, I mean he he is pretty famous for um, taking. I, I would use the word elitist. Um, you know he he has said he doesn't want just anybody to be a shareholder in his company. That was his philosophy for years and years, decades actually. And it wasn't until 1996 that uh, there was ever allowed to be any kind of a split, and they did it by issuing a whole separate class of shares. If you invested in Berkshire Hathaway, there's never been a stock stock split prior to 1996. And what it means is that the share price just kept on marching higher and higher and higher. And um, today, you know, uh, over the past few weeks, it's been trading well over $300,000 per share. Isn't that crazy? I, I remember in college, and one of my finance professors was talking to me about this guy named Warren Buffett, and he said, yeah, you should buy one of his shares of his stock. It's at 
Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, well, ten who who's got ten thousand? Where would you get ten thousand yeah. dollars? Like, yeah. I mean, it might as well it might as well have been ten million when I was in college. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, just recently it was at three hundred twenty six thousand. Yeah. And so it is it is interesting because we've even seen that with some uh, mutual fund companies that we talk to. They don't they don't like big volumes in and out of what they're doing. And and it is interesting because Warren Buffett's company isn't really a company, if you will. It's a conglomerate that almost looks like a mutual fund. Yeah, I mean, they own Forest River. They own uh, Brack. They own all of the – They own companies. But they also own a bunch of stock. Yeah. And they've also gotten out of a bunch of stock. So it's very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) That's a different show. it's but very, in a way, his hand was was actually forced. You know, the whole reason that they issued this Class B share, which today has been trading over $200 per share, mm-hmm. compared to that 300,000 shares on the original Class A, um, is because there were people trying to come up with some gimmicks to pool together money and go buy some shares together. Yeah. And his, his attitude, at least the reason he presented to the public was, well, I don't want you know, the, the common guy getting charged all these fees just to own Berkshire shares. So we're going to make it available to the public at a, in a class B share at a, a lower price. C- coming up, uh, we're going we're gonna to tackle our first question. It was a question from a fan of the show on the YouTube channel that basically said, hey, this is really a moot point Could, because pretty much everyone can buy fractional shares or can they? We're going to address that question and then talk specifically about what happened with Apple investors and Tesla investors with their split. So that and more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. How do stock splits actually work? And is it even important when when a company announces a split? Does that mean uh, investors buy in and their price goes up? And then what about after a split? Does everyone sell out? Well, we're going to talk about that coming up right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn, Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on podcast. Whether you listen on Spotify or iTunes, wherever. Just search Wise Money Show, subscribe to it, rate the show, and leave a comment. We appreciate that. That gives us feedback, helps us, helps other people looking for wise money content. Wise Financial Principles helps them find us. So thank you very much. We are talking about stock splits right now. The The big uh, financial headline, at least the good one this year, is, uh, is Apple split their stock. And then Tesla, this small car company that's worth a gazillion dollars, uh, uh, split their stock as well. So what's that mean? Well, let me first just set the stage again. The, ex- the analogy that I use on what is a stock split? A stock split does not change the market value of a company at all. It doesn't. It is just mathematically exchanging and creating for a typically a, a, a the typical stock splits, uh, forward stock splits, I, I believe is what they're called, is where you actually create more shares at a lesser price. Okay. So it's the same as saying, well, I've got one dollar bill and you turn it in, exchange it for four quarters. Well, you had one form of currency and now you've got four, but they're equal. They're, they're equal in value. That's right. Right? So now 
there is this question. It was posed, I, I don't remember the individual's name from a fan of the show on the YouTube channel. It said, wait a second, why are you guys even talking about stock splits? Why are they even doing these? Everyone can buy fractional shares anyway. Well, number one, you can definitely buy fractional shares of mutual funds. I mean, that, and, and it, I mean, that stuff happens all the time. But it's just now becoming a thing yeah. where you can actually buy, in some areas, fractional shares of individual stocks. For as little as $5. Yeah. It makes me feel old. I don't know about you guys, but you remember studying to become a financial advisor. Uh -huh. And, you know, you've got these monster textbooks and they, they pound into your head how important it is to buy round lots round when you're lots. buying individual <laughs> sh uh, companies. Yeah. And a round lot is just buying 100 shares of, of a stock. And I still to this day, you know, if if I buy a, a company stock or anything, I still have it burned into my head. I'm going to buy it in hundred share increments. No one right? says round lots. Do, like not, they don't. <laughs> do not buy the odd lot. Yeah, they, yeah. Well, the textbook, right, does sort of sensationalize this like, oh, that's such a thing. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. No. But it's not a thing yet for fractional shares either, I would say. Some platforms, some typically retail platforms, like, the, and, and if you think about it, they actually, like a Robin Hood type of system where you can just get in and they're trying to trying to lure you in with very little money up front, they are the ones that are offering the fractional shares at first. And so I would just be careful. The bigger companies that where most people have large amounts of investments, now they're not doing fractional shares yet. They, they don't need to. Will we get there? I hope so. I hope so. But we're not there yet. We're not there yet. So anyway. Um, Okay, let's get into some of the details. Or you got another? Well, I was just going to say that uh, t to me, that's why going back to the question you got on, I think you said the YouTube channel, yep. um, on well, why why are they even doing this? There is some psychology involved with these stock splits, though, and and you can see it. I mean, we we see it in the questions that we get from friends or clients or or whomever, and. Um, you know, I, I actually ran into someone at a church function um, who asked me, oh, man, or he, he was making more of a comment that, uh, isn't it awesome, the, the Apple and Tesla split that's coming up? So this was in August, and he, he was so excited because he was an owner of those shares. And I said, yeah, it sounds like they announced you need to be selling soon. Uh -huh. And he's like, what? What are you talking about? Not certainly not before the split, and I said, okay, then immediately after. How about that? Uh, uh, because he was clearly just speculating in in this stock, and he had you know enjoyed a run up yeah. and an even bigger run up because of this announcement. But the the psychology of it all is that there's a perception a company doesn't do a stock split unless it has some great momentum to it, and there must be great times ahead. Yeah. And it, it doesn't necessarily mean that the company is suddenly stronger. And as you said, there's no economic change to uh, the, the company after the split happens. So um, to, to me, it's not about always making the stock more accessible to people. It is also about the psychology of it. I mean, it is crazy because a stock split, as I said, it, it, it's exchanging a dollar for four quarters. And yet... That does create, it, there is psychology to it where investors create this little frenzy. And, and if you're a value investor, since we talked about Warren Buffett, if you're a value investor, you look at that and say, well, geez, 
yeah, it might that might be a, about an attractive time to be selling. Because a lot of people, there's a frenzy and people are buying in and, uh, and, and maybe, maybe it would be a good time to sell. Now, from the time when Apple, so let's see, Apple announced their split, uh, announced it on July 30th, I think in their earnings call, that they were going to do a four-for-one stock split on August 30th for anyone that owns shares, I don't know, August 24th or whatever. And from that announcement... <laughs> Crazy. From the announcement, and this is, uh, these are, so the announcement was at, now I've adjusted these values just in case you want to check this out. From the announcement, their stock was equivalent, equivalently $96 a share. One day later, it was $109 a share. <laughs> and the stock jumped 10% because they said they were going to split yeah. their stock. And then when it finally split, it was $134 a share. And guys, it's like it's, a 30% run up in one month. Uh, that's nothing compared to Tesla when we get yeah. to that, by the way. And guys, it's been straight downhill ever since. And you could say, well, but it's been downhill. And I don't know when you're consuming this. So it could be up from there. Okay. But it was very, it was very much downhill um, after the split, which is typical of Apple stock splits. If you look through history, they could have told you, yeah, yeah, that's what likely is going to happen. And um, you could say, well, it went down because everything's gone down. Or you could say, well, Apple went down, therefore everything went down. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah. It is somewhat confusing. And I've fielded some emails uh, from some clients that own Apple stock. And because you wonder, okay, if I had a, if I had a whole Apple and I cut it into four pieces, do I have less of an Apple? Nope, you've got the same volume of Apple. It's just in different pieces. But the interesting... And a different color. I mean, it's brown, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're... T-minus <laughs> well, three seconds after yeah, you cut that thing. All right, well, let's uh, adjourn this meeting of the Optimist Club. And, <laughs> no, so, but the other interesting thing is, what did, what did Apple... What Apple stock split? What was it? What what was its effect on the Dow? Because the Dow is price weighted. Mm. The other, you know, the other two we typically talk about the S and P five hundred and the Nasdaq are cap market capitalization weighted. Mm -hmm. So it took and and these aren't perfect numbers, but it took its rating in the Dow from about sixteen or seventeen down to about three percent as far as the importance. And so with Apple's importance in the Dow at 16 or 17%, a move in Apple, and Apple moves a lot and has been um, on, you know, it's doubled in a year. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, and then some. Yeah. Um, that makes the index look fabulous. Um, so now it's going to have a, a, a much lower kind of thud factor um, when it's, Share price moves. You, you think uh, you th you think Apple is an interesting stock split story. Wait, just wait until we talk about Tesla. Hmm. We got that, and then and then what's this all mean for you? We got that and more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. What in the world is going on with Tesla? Can we, I, love, I love to pick on Tesla stock 
We're going to talk about what happened with their stock split, what the announcement was, and how that changed their market value. Right. It's not supposed to. We got that right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin and Josh. Listen, every episode of the Wise Money Show is on our YouTube channel. If you haven't been there, check it out. Go to YouTube. Search the Wise Money Show. Hit that subscribe button. Turn on notifications and like the content. We appreciate it. All right. We're talking about stock splits. And the stock split is simply taking $1 bill and turning it in for four quarters or taking one apple, slicing it up into pieces. You still just have one apple there. The market value doesn't change. Well, I think the Tesla investor said, oh, really? Hold my pop and <laughs> watch what we can do. Tesla announced their stock split on, on August 10th, okay? And equivalently, I'm telling you in today's dollars because that's your frame of reference. You can go check it out if you want. Um, app or excuse me, Tesla was worth $274 a share. Now they, it was, it was over, over $2,200 a mm -hmm. share at that time. But if you're looking at it today and they announced that and their stock proceeded to run straight up from two, $274 a share to, by the time the split took place, it was $500 a share. Hmm. The announcement that, hey, guess what? Mom and dad just told you you can play in the arcade. So here's this dollar. Go exchange it for four quarters. And they said, this dollar's worth $2. Right. <laughs> they made the value jump 50-some percent, almost doubled for no reason. And then guess what? Was there a big surprise that the stock then absolutely got clobbered right after that? Right, right. This isn't the most profitable company on the planet here that well, we're that's, talking about. That's right? why I like to pick on them. And, and just if, in case you haven't heard me rant about this, and I could go for a full hour just on Tesla. If you haven't heard me rant, the company sold a whole bunch, 375,000 cars last year, compared to Toyota selling 11 million cars last year. But that's okay, because Tesla, the company, is worth twice as much as Toyota. And Tesla is only profitable. They barely got profitable for the first time only because of government credits that they needed to claim as revenue. Yeah. Otherwise, they still would have had a loss. But there are some, I mean, Tesla is not just electric cars. I mean, they have the Boring Company where they've they've made the tunnel all the way underneath Las Vegas. They've got their... Yep. I mean, they they have a number of other things that they're doing that they, at some point could pop. Really innovative and very, very astounding. And as of right now, if you own that stock for the next 1,000 years, you'd break even. Yeah. It, the, the P.E. ratio is 1,097. Yeah, <laughs> so, well, you so know what? One of those better pop. Our little because... boy needs to grow into his genes here. It's just going to take 1,000 years. <laughs> no, it, you know, it's easy to pick on Tesla investors because you have made a gazillion dollars. So listen, here's the disclaimer. Uh, we, you, you know, we, this, we are, this is a show about financial planning. Investment planning is a component, one of the six areas of your financial life. So we don't want to give it too much attention. And yet this drew, this drew a lot of attention this year. The other disclaimer I would tell you is we're not telling you to rush out and buy or rush out and sell. In fact, your overall investment approach needs to be connected with your with the rest of your financial life. So if you've got certain financial goals where you need to get a certain rate of return and you're gambling that money 
in Apple stock or Tesla stock or your or whatever, watch out. That means you've got inconsistency in your financial life and that you could be brewing up some trouble there. You know, one of the, the questions I often pose to people who are interested in getting into individual stock trading is, do you want to be an investor or do you want to be a trader? Yeah. And, and some people might even phrase that question as, do you want to be an investor or a speculator? Because that often is really what people are doing. They're just kind of betting that maybe this stock's momentum is going to keep on going higher. And, and I say that it's betting because if you don't know what is driving that stock's behavior, why does a stock price go up? Ask yourself that question. And if, if you couldn't teach that to your own children, why a stock price is set where it is, then probably you're, you're more in the trader or speculator realm as opposed to investor realm. And that, that doesn't lead to foolproof wealth building. Okay. It doesn't lead to financial freedom. Yeah. And I, I would even phrase that a little differently because uh, as kind of representing the older generation here and being a little bit of a Kenny Rogers fan, I would say, <laughs> would you rather be an investor or a gambler? Because mm. every hand's a winner. You got to know when to. <laughs> so it is gambling. That's all it is. It's gambling. And, and that's what I was talking about with my son, Joshua. Honey, this is great. I like that you're trying to understand how how the world works here. It's just gambling. It's it that's that's all that it is. And you know when he's sending me a text, hey dad, I'm up fifty dollars. Hey dad, I'm down two hundred dollars. I'm like, well, yeah, because you're there's no way of having any. The only way that you can do it intelligently is to look and see what has it done, and assume it's going to keep doing that. That's really not intelligence. Mm. That's that, and and so, and and what I've tried to impress upon Joshua is that Josh, this the same thing that Joshua Gregory just mentioned. Hey, there, what what is influencing the cost of these shares? What is it that would make it go Tesla go from fifteen hundred to twenty five hundred? And if it's at twenty five hundred, um, well, shouldn't we pile all in because it certainly must be going to thirty five hundred? And so you say, no, 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 no. Um, we, we, you have no idea what's drive, what the driving forces are that are causing the share price of this stock to go up or down. And so based on that, what you need to do, and this is my, my investment advice, go find a financial planner. That's my advice. Yeah. You know, you, you might be hearing us kind of, uh, I don't know, beating up on stock investors here. Uh, and think, oh, you guys are just against owning stocks. And, and that's actually not true. Um, you know, in our opinion and by our observation and learning over time, owning some of the best corporations in the world is one of the best wealth building tools that you have at your disposal. But there's a difference between trying to catch that hot next stock and owning these companies over a long period of time and just trusting that capitalism really does continue to drive great results for you and your family. So it's it's more a question about how do you get exposure to those individual stocks. And uh, owning those stocks for the long term becomes a whole lot easier for most people if they own it by purchasing mutual funds or exchange-traded funds. These, these vehicles that pool together money with other investors and buy hundreds of stocks 
and not betting their future on just one hot company right now? Because really, our clients, and this is full and fair disclosure, our clients have owned Apple and Tesla. They just sure. have owned them through mutual funds. Okay, right. so 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 your overall investment approach, be diversified, needs to be connected with your overall financial plan. Really, really quick, can stock investing be play money? I, I have clients who, literally in retirement, they've they've said, "Hey, I, I want to continue to invest in stocks, just like I always have throughout my career," because they get into the the corporations, they get into the financial statements, they see this as a business, and it helps keep their mind sharp. Mm-hmm. So in in their in their thinking, this is yeah a way for me to just kind of stay engaged and keep on learning, and they kind of think of it as fun money for a small piece of their overall portfolio. Yeah, if you want to spend your waking hours thinking about money, um, this is a great thing to do. <laughs> right. I just I right. I would just challenge you: don't let this dominate your mind. Yep. Don't let this own you. That's wise. Yes. Yep. 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 All right. We've got questions and answers from fans of the show. That and more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Thanks for being with us today. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard right here in the KFG Studios with me, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. If you've missed anything and want to submit a question for the show, you can find every episode and you can connect with the show on online wisemoneyshow.com and all over social media wherever you're at we are there as well go to facebook youtube or or twitter we are there you can submit questions there as well all right so we get a lot of questions at the youtube channel so check it out and first couple questions come from fans there first one didn't leave her name said great video new subscriber have a question uh for someone like you my husband and i want to buy a modular home and put it on the back acre of my dad's property. Should I tell him? No, yes, you should. Okay, (laughs) to do this, my parents want to transfer or gift their home and property into our name so that we can use the equity in it to buy the house. Their home and property is paid off. They own it outright. Is it possible to do this? And if so, how would you go about it? Their property is worth more than the home we're looking to place on the back of the property. We already have septic and well installed. Uh, We live in Montana. Not sure if that makes any difference. Thanks for the advice. Interesting. Out in Montana. Oh, that's everyone's dream. You know, with with everything going on uh, in the pandemic and everything, I've seen a few memes that say... (laughs) I'm this close, and it's like really like a razor thin. I'm this close to packing it all up and moving to Montana. <laughs> That's funny. Have you ever been in Montana? I haven't. I've driven we, through once, I we, think. We were out, you know, we drove through there and, and actually stayed just barely into Montana when we were visiting Yellowstone earlier this summer. And I, I'll never forget, Andrea did some research, and as we're driving through each state, she was telling facts about each state. And the one about Montana, I'm pretty sure this is true, there are more cows in Montana than there are people. I mean, doesn't is that that's that's 
uh, heaven right there. I mean, right. <laughs> and it is beautiful. Yeah. Mountains and everything. Does Amazon get there quickly? Is it two day? I, I, I don't know. Amazon I'm assuming Prime they use drones for Montana. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure. But uh, now, obviously, you know, here we are in the Midwest. And um, so, so full and fair disclosure, do we know all of the, um, you know, tiny little details about property law and things in another state? No, we don't. Which is why I, I love that you framed your question as, I have a question for someone like you. Yeah. That to me implies this is a financial planning question, and absolutely our first answer is you need to be talking to a certified financial planner, someone who can get into the details of whether or not, first of all, you're kind of asking a question, well, can we do this? But should you do this is, is the real heart of this question. We actually right? get this question similar question a lot and and it's you're right it's how but the but you before you get to how you've got to talk about should because and, and so let's camp on that for a second no pun intended there if if you for whatever reason have the urge to gift property to the next generation or someone else in the family um you immediately expose yourself to a few different probably unintended consequences one of those could be future taxation. The gift, if the gift is over a certain amounts, then that gift could go against your lifetime exclusion, and you know, so could which is a some, huge amount. It, it's not likely that this would, for most people, that this would trigger some sort of gift tax or anything. The, the more likely tax that this could trigger is if you go and when you go to sell the property. If you haven't lived there for as your primary residence for two out of the last five years, then any appreciation could be taxed for capital gains. Now, in your case, you're actually going to be living on the property. So, so as long as you don't sell the place within those two years, uh, that that's a moot point. But that's one unintended consequence most people most people aren't aware of. And the second is is the liability and and the risk. So now, and and I would hate to. You know, but but difficult things happen. So I, I'd hate to project this, but difficult things happen. So mom and dad have worked hard. They've built up this property and they own it outright. They gift it to you and your husband, and something terrible happens, and you and your husband are divorced. Now, what was mom and dad's property is now half their property, but half your property and half your ex-husband's property. Yeah, yeah. And even that rule can depend upon which state you live sure, in as sure. well. But um, you, you're exactly right. Or you, you get in a car accident, someone's suing you. Some states have stronger protections over someone's home than others mm -hmm. in bankruptcy law and things like that. So, you know, th this is why we're, I, I, again, we're kind of framing this as a financial planning question, not just a house question, yeah. right? Because this touches tax area tax it, uh, affects your um your planning for insurance and protection management that sort of thing um here's here's the other question i guess that i would have is i, I don't know the structure of this land or anything but the way you framed it is there's sort of a back acre and um sometimes i would want to maybe explore is this something where you could peel off that back acre could you do a property split essentially yep. Um, that may be on the table if, again, your jurisdiction allows it. But it's it's certainly um, the the one major roadblock that many people would encounter with that idea is if there was a lien against the the property, if they had a mortgage against it, 
you know, the, the bank has a vested interest in you keeping the value very strong because that's their collateral, obviously. You said this house is paid off. So maybe could, could that one acre be split off and that be um, essentially your down payment for building this house or, or placing a modular home on it? That's, that's an idea to consider, I guess. But, you know, one of the other unintended consequences sometimes, you said that... Um, the property is worth more than the house that we would put on it. It sounds beautiful, right? Sounds like great views and everything. Will it still be that way after you put the house on it? And, um, you know, is it still as marketable as well? Um, you know, maybe your, your parents' house could sell in a moment right now if they got into a financial pinch or they decided they, you know, wanted to leave Montana and come to Indiana or something. I, I don't know. Um, but could it would it still be as sellable as marketable with a house in the backyard? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're you're kind of fundamentally changing the value of this asset, maybe for the better, maybe not though. And so thinking through that, the I, I always want to think through worst case scenario when you're making a major change like this. And worst case scenario is you get into the house, you've got a mortgage. Uh, everyone had the dream of kind of creating the little family compound. We're all going to be together. Won't it be awesome? And then someone passes away, or you mentioned divorce, uh, a job change, something major disrupts all that. Can you easily unravel that decision, or would you be able to have an escape hatch built into this before you take that next step? Oh, and, and it sounds like we could be telling you all the reasons why you shouldn't even get out of bed in the morning. But the truth is, we're just... Again, going back to Josh's advice, you got to talk to your certified financial planner who knows your entire financial life, and these are the sorts of uh, of risks that they would vet the decision through. I'll give you one other, and for mom and dad, I don't know mom and dad's financial situation, but for many people, their house and their property is one of the most valuable assets that they have in their name. And what role is this asset supposed to play in their life, and what uh, are there any scenarios that where this asset might need to play a different role in their life? For example, if someone, if all of a sudden mom or dad need care and they need to move to a different place, um, will they need resources to help cover the cost of that different place? And if this was a gift, um, will they have resources to do that? You know. So anyway. I, Another idea could be mom and dad could actually create a loan to for you, or mom and dad could actually gift the money to you instead of the actual property. There's a few different ways you could structure this instead of mom and dad actually just giving the, the whole property. But it, it's it's all got to be in context to your financial situation, their financial situation. So work with the CFP. Okay. W- would you change anything? I'm, I was just rereading this question again, and there was a detail added at the end that I didn't catch when you oh. were reading it the first time. Okay. They said that uh, on this back property, they've already had the septic and well installed. Mm-hmm. That that could be a significant amount of money that they've already plunked down on this property. Mm-hmm. You know, at least in our neck of the woods, a, a well and a septic system. I mean, that that could be fifteen twenty grand that they've already invested. And to to be pausing right now and asking this question, I, I'm almost reading between the lines and saying, okay. They're about to go from smaller but decent size investment into the full investment here. Um, 
are they having some sort of cold feet? Are, are, are they starting to sense that, okay, now wait a minute, should we still go ahead and do this? Because this ship has already started sailing, right? <laughs> yeah. they, they've already started taking action on this, on this question. And um, th- this is part of the reason why, if you're listening today, um, I, I just believe that it, it's important to have your game plan and have that full context of a financial plan in place before you start spending money down down this road because you know inertia is a powerful thing there's also something called sunk cost where you feel almost bound to keep going with the same game plan because we've already parted with this money and it's not like you can go dig up the septic feel and pull out the the um the the well and get your money back on this right 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 all right. Well, great, great question. Let's uh, let's switch over to another question from uh, I believe it's Alicia, forty-two. My husband and I are in our early forties and just haven't been able to save up much for retirement. Is it too late to get started, especially if we don't have much to save? Great question. Uh, I feel like we get that question from all age groups. Yeah. Right. People in their fifties. People. Uh, you know, the the point here is always that the earlier you can get be- get started, the better, obviously. Yeah. And it's because it doesn't take as much money to be um, sacrificing or saving into those long-term investments if you have more time. Because with more time, you have the freedom to be a little more growth-oriented, a little bit more aggressive with your investments. Let them kind of run and let them do their thing a bit more. Versus, you know, someone who's in their 60s doesn't have the luxury of taking lots and lots of risk with those same investments. Right, right. So to, to me, the earlier you get started, you don't have to have huge money. It's more about establishing and reinforcing the habit of saving and investing than it is the, the huge quantity. But uh, you'd, you'd be surprised how much money you could still accumulate at age 42, um, you know, to, to have maybe 25 plus years left in your working career. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you might not like hearing that. Mm-hmm. The, the thought of going to 67 may be alarming to you, but that's what you want to begin thinking. I have two and a half decades. I can still accomplish a lot in that amount of time. That's right. It's never too late. It's not too late. Talk to your CFP. I've never seen someone's situation and looked and said, I can't find a path forward. No, there is one. So get started. All right. Thanks for the question. That is all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, myself, and all of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.